Welcome back to the 10 Songs That Change Your Life podcast, brought to you by The 10th Man. My name is Mango, and in this series, I'll be guest hosting a number of episodes with some of my favorite artists, authors, musicians, and more to find out the 10 songs that shaped their life. This week, I'm joined by photographer Rich Gilligan. Rich has been one of Ireland's most acclaimed photographers whose work has been shown in exhibitions around the world. He has released several books and he's currently working on his next one. Last year, Rich joined Maser for a collaborative exhibition called Pathways, which reflected on their shared artistic journey between photography and painting. He also curated and edited Collapsing Distance, a book mostly composed of his portrait work as the photographer for Other Voices Festival, which was released for its 20th anniversary in 2021. Ahead of a busy 2022, I sat down with Rich to discuss the songs that changed his life. Hi, Rich. How are you? How's it going? Good, Mango. How are you? Good to see you. Uh, I haven't... Well, no, I have seen you. I think the last time I seen you was at your show in Maser's Gallery at LA. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, Pathways. Yeah. And we ended up drinking... And talking about rap music yeah. upstairs. Yeah, and I, I did a Houdini. I escaped. <laughs> you you know what? You are perfect for doing that because anytime those like great like exhibitions up there, it's like the exhibitions the, the like the great part and then like the, the cherry on top is like going up to the lower deck with all your pals and I like know. having a having no, a few that jars. Was, that was good. I really um I hadn't really gotten to hang out properly with people in, I suppose, in a long yeah. time so yeah, it was just yeah, yeah i kind of i'd gotten the green light and i was staying up in dublin that night so i really enjoyed just getting the getting the banter and being able to have a good chat with yourself and yeah yeah everyone it was a good crew there and like um was that like your first exhibition in a while then i suppose with everything yeah. else that's gone on yeah i remember actually texting al um because we kind of we'd been working on that show for a while, and then mm. it was kind of with all the COVID stuff. It was like, will we? Won't we? Is it going to be shut down again? It was in the run up to Christmas, and then yeah, you know, last minute, Al was just like, no, we're going to do it, and we'll figure it out. And yeah. so, we, so we didn't have drinks in the gallery, or we we kind of kept it, you know, mellow Separate. there, and and it yeah. worked really well actually. But um, but yeah, it was weird. I was um, I've done so many exhibitions in Dublin over the years, but since we moved back from New York, that was like. That was definitely the first like kind of biggest show that I'd right. done. And I and I was it's funny, I was shitting it. I remember like really? Al had gone for dinner with D and everyone from the gallery. Like, yeah. They'd gone there like Christmas drinks and Right. And I remember going I was like, I just went on show and just was having a pint on my own and I text Al going, Are you shitting it? And he was like, Yeah, I'm shitting it. <laughs> And, it, and it's just funny because I'm I'm really social and I'm, yeah, I, love, I buzz off people. I, yeah, no, I know the feeling. I, I had the same when I was coming back to gigging after a while. All yeah. of a sudden I was like, why am I nervous? No, I've, I've done this so I could do this in my sleep. Yeah. yeah. I think I also had it in my head that it was like, you know, we'd moved back from New York. We'd been gone for six years. And I was like, I'm probably going to see just so many people through kind of Dublin street culture yeah. and skateboarding and music and, you know, new friends, old friends I mm. haven't seen since I got back. I was kind of like, I don't know, I felt like a bit overwhelmed. And then, of course, it was deadly. Yeah, it was, you know, but it was, it was, yeah, it was an amazing, it was really special amazing night, show. So, yeah. um, Cheers for coming so, in. So, uh, ah, listen, we're two of the lads. And look, I only live around the block. I, like, I had no excuse not to go. Uh, come here, how did you find putting the list together? Yeah. I was like that. Like, you know, it's always good to know because I, I have done this show on the other 
end. So yeah. I know we I know we discussed previously off mic what it was like, but I know it can be daunting for some people and it can be a piece of piss for other people. Like they don't they don't really care. Yeah. No, big time. I mean I definitely I was going into like overthinking territory yeah. pretty fast. Yeah. And um but I have to be honest, like when when they emailed me here asking me to do it, like I genuinely like I was stuck in the middle of loads of work stuff that was kind of like it's good like I was busy and things were good but basically as soon as this came in I was like okay cool I have an excuse to not do all the other shit that I should do <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm definitely not gonna put my back I just go to my room and listen to tunes it's way more yeah, important like, I said it to Patria my, my wife I was just like I have to do this 10 it's like 10 tunes that change your life and, mm. and she like she knows me so well too where yeah. she just knows how you know I music is just huge for me and yeah. um but it's funny, like I, yeah, I really, I, I was like, oh, I'll start putting this list together. And then I start, first of all, I just went down like Spotify rabbit hole and just start throwing tunes in. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I've probably got like 20 tunes mm. here. And then I went into like iTunes or things that I didn't have, like that, or that you can't get in Spotify. And, yeah. and I also started like going way, way back and being like starting from like 11 year old me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I looked and I was like, fuck, there's like nearly 100 songs here. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, just chop how it do down you, to this. How do you chop it down? Yeah, and, there's, there's and yeah, a lot of heartbreak and, in there. Oh, stop. So I feel like I'm doing the dirt on loads of tunes <laughs> that, that, I, that couldn't make the cut. Uh, but, listen, um, do you know the amount of people that like I know from this as well who are like, we can do a part two though, right? Because like, like, I have 10 other songs that, that changed my life, you know what I mean? No, so listen, if we, if we do another part two, we could we can probably bring in for that yeah, one. Yeah, no, I think there could be part three and a part four. <laughs> we'll, do a, we'll do a rich exploring your musical series, you know? I know, but no, um, I, but I enjoyed it. I have to say, I really, it was it was a good process. It's a good mental it's, yeah, process. It's a, it really is. Yeah, I found it's a it test kinda, yourself, really. found it weirdly like therapeutic and also like it forces you to kind of pause and reflect maybe on like your journey or you know or think yeah. about like i guess like times or like parts of my life that maybe i haven't gone to in a long time but like that's the thing that music does it just draws you back into yeah. that moment absolutely you, so absolutely so it was good okay i suppose uh we'll kick this one off the, with your first track uh john lennon imagine Okay. Yeah. So. So yeah. Um. So like, just just about this, right? Because the, I love about like the first record always is like the statement piece, right? But this one is amazing because it's such. A, it feels like a modern standard. It feels like everybody knows this. Whether you're into John Lennon or Beatles Head or like you, everybody knows the chorus. Everybody knows the song. And the fact that it's so universal, like every, it feels like it's everyone's song. Yeah. Like what? What's the personal side of this with you? Yeah, well, back to your point there. I think what I what I love about it as a as a song is just how accessible it is, and that idea that it is universal and that you don't need to like have like some deep understanding of music to get it. Yeah, it's just visceral just hits you. and it just hits you. And it's that's from like the first bar where that you just hear that piano come mm -hmm. in. But the the personal side on it is um, when I like growing up, my folks were my folks were definitely Beatles heads. Okay. Um, the house wasn't like hugely musical, but the radio was always on and it was always just radio in the background. But we did have like um, my my dad, this old record player that he still has that I keep kind of like hinting that I'm going to nick. <laughs> it's like an old, I think it's an old Hitachi like 70s job. But um, 
we had like we didn't have that many records and um, my dad had some like early Bob Dylan Rolling Stone stuff and like Simon and Garfunkel but they had um my ma had this like they used to have this like drawer where we did keep important stuff like our passports or whatever and yeah and in there was this seven inch um vinyl of Imagine okay. and it was I just remember as a kid I'd look at it because I had that I think it was like the Apple logo Apple yeah. Records logo and and my ma told me the story that like she was working as a secretary at the time she was born and, and a woman that she worked with the day that I was born, this was number one. Right. So she, this woman just went into whatever record shop, Golden yeah. Discs or whatever it was, and, bu- and just said, what's number one today? And the woman said, oh, it's this John Lennon. Wow. Imagine. And the reason it was number one was he'd been shot three weeks before that. Oh, right. And the song went to number one when he was shot and stayed there for like four or five weeks. Wow. So it was having, it was kind of like resonating, like the world was to, kind of mourning. society, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, the rich arrives. So I got it and then I proceeded to like, once I figured out about like, I, I remember trying to like scratch it. Yes, here we and go. I, and I think I- Hip hop starting early. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I think I've totally fucked up the record. It's yeah. there somewhere. I haven't played Scratched it in years, the bits. but I think it's a bit. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I guess it was like that one was just maybe like a nod to my folks um, right. and just kind of like, you know, even if I think like they, my dad always like, you know, he brought me to see Bob Dylan when I was 10 or 11 in the point and okay. stuff like that. And yeah, that was like, yeah. they're big. Like I kind of look back on it now and that I have my own kids and I'm like, Jesus, that was like a, a big thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And it was mad. Like I just remember being there and it was just dad was kind of like, it's like 91 in the point. And wow sitting in that balcony and like you know dad is definitely like tearing through a few pints and good man i was just sitting there looking down going like all these lighters keep going on and on. <laughs> and then being like that's really weird are they trying to light a candle what's or going something? on there's a lot of smokers in the audience yeah <laughs> completely and then it's only like maybe you know four years later or something yeah it's like oh, you totally yeah. get it it's like there's something else going on there but um yeah but yeah, yeah yeah but this one is kind of like my Okay, I guess this and is like, like my has, has Lennon or like did that spark a love for Lennon or yeah, anything like that? Like, did you, did you kind time. of like jump in to that because I feel like there there might be like an ownership there of like, well, that that's my like that's my jam. Yeah, I, I think as I got older, like I'm not gonna bullshit you and pretend that like there definitely was a time where I kind of felt like I wanted to just that felt like my parents' music, and I was like, no, fuck oh, totally, that. totally, you know, yeah, yeah. But now, as I've kind of like, as I'm getting older, I, like the politics of, like of John Lennon and mm. everything he stood for and everything he believed in, yeah, and um, that really resonates now. Wow. And, and I think as well, just there's other things we had. Like, I remember my dad came home and he had like a, we had this VHS video of a. There's a documentary about. It's called Imagine about John Lennon, and that was like we only had a handful of videos in the house, but I used to just watch this documentary over and over right and just all this amazing archival footage of them recording that and kind of mm. him and yoko ono and their their life in new york back yeah. then and because they they were really kind of melding like modern art they were one of the first people completely. to kind of meld modern art to like have a camera crew in like i don't know obviously there's the get back stuff which is yeah. there but i mean especially lennon was like he was bringing people into like after the studio like, yeah even into his into his bedroom when he was no <laughs> he's in the lip with his the, wife and totally um no, I mean, they were kind of like, you know, so iconic in, in so many ways, but also so strange as well. Yeah. And it was that kind of strangeness and that I didn't really get it, but that kind of like drew me in. Is that like, is that kind of, has that been maybe looking back? I don't know if I'm reaching, but 
and I have a fascination of like the personal with artists. Yeah. Like when you look at say like the stuff he does with like uh the stuff he did like with Bob Groon and, and people like that. With like yeah. is that kinda would this be like the seeds of like where, where you might have kinda get an interest in what you do? Yeah, I think just the idea of maybe not just following the crowd and mm. like marching to your own beat or just yeah. kind of like it's very clear. Not that he's you know, like there's things about him that are very, you know, kind of contradict themselves as well and totally. he's not like this perfect like most or, artists yeah, yeah, yeah completely yeah, like i'm sure he most people had his flaws but i think i just loved that he was kind of against the grain and in a funny way like i almost would view him now as like almost like this kind of like punk rock figure of yeah just kind of like fuck you I'm i think it, he would have loved I'm doing like, it this way yeah i think he really would have loved like where punk and, and hip-hop went of that total like yeah. two fingers to everything else completely yeah yeah so. savage okay well, moving on, speaking of hip-hop, right, we're going to get in because this is like Mr. F- like skateboarding. So, like, like when I seen this next pick, I was like, of course, absolutely, of course. Uh, this is Beastie Boys featuring Q-Tip, Get It Together. So um, so this one is, this kind of had to be there. This was actually going to be number one. Okay. To kick it off. But yeah. then I was like, will I go chronological or not? But Is it chronological? It, it kind, kind of. Do you know, it kind of is, but then it kind of, about halfway through we go and we space mm. out a bit. But um, but no, this is there for a number of reasons. Um, I discovered the song. I, I bought this as a cassette. I couldn't afford, it was just, I think it was just before or just as Ill Communication um, that album came out in like 94, I think, 94, 95, um, 94. And, and I'd gotten, I remember clearly going into like downstairs in HMV, I think it was the one on Grafton Street, and, and buying the single, the cassette single for Sabotage. Right. And being like, oh, I'm fucking buying the single. This single. Or I couldn't crazy. afford the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had, and I, so I bought the single and then it was like a split. I actually think it was like a double A side. Mm-hmm. Do you know the way? So like, yeah. But I didn't know get it. To, I'd never heard get it together. So I went okay. there for sabotage. So this was like a, a, a got a find. Yeah. Where you prefer the B side? And then I went once get it together. Come and like I kind of at that time, you know, I I'd heard little bits of like, you know, like I kind of I knew who Q Tip was, but I, I definitely I don't think I even knew that he was in Tribe Called Quest. I just was like, oh, that's that voice. I recognize yeah. him from like can I kick it? Delight or, or something. yeah or, or something else. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. So anyway, when when I got this cassette, I was just like, oh my God, it was like on repeat. And yeah. I probably told you the story before where it was like, my dad was really, really cool. And, and my mom, in fairness, they, at that time, like there was, there was a few kind of like skate parks popping up in warehouses in Dublin, kind of down like the Docklands. There was a park on Sir John Rogerson's Quay opposite the point and then there was another park wow. on, on Dominic Street in the, <laughs> Hen- in the Hendrons warehouse and this is a very different Dublin like this oh, is like the early 90s when there was of, actually factories on the keys yeah. yeah no completely there was like the ferryman pub my dad would go there and I think like he dropped me and it's mad to think back I'd be like 11, 12 and he dropped me to this warehouse and I'd just be like <laughs> on the docks yeah it was fucking mad go for a few jars like he, he'd bring his book or he'd just like sit in the car by really? the Liffey and like hopefully not get robbed and <laughs> and anyway I had this tape and it was like so it would go like Sabotage was like the A side and then it would you know the way in a car it would like flip it over then automatically yeah, yeah, yeah. to beat side B and it would be Get It Together yeah, and, and it would just be like Sabotage Get It Together and then there was another track called Dope Little Song it was like the 
third track on it, like this okay. other weird thing. But um, my dad just listened to this for like for weeks and weeks. This was just and on say loop. And kind of said nothing. He just was like, yeah, this whatever. And, and then whatever. it was just like, there was so many parts to the song where like, there's one bit where I think it's Q-Tip. He's just like, phone is ringing. Oh my God. Like yeah. all these weird little things where it got to the point where like, I'd be at home having our dinner, doing my homework and the phone would ring. And my dad would just sit up and go, phone is ringing. Oh my oh God. My God. <laughs> and, and it was like, things like this. Your dad's that I was doing like, Q-tip, like yeah, ad-libs. Like, dad's rapping Q-tip, but he yeah, doesn't know is, he's even doing it. That is and, crazy. So this it, is like the soundtrack of like, maybe like the start of your skating? No, I, I was already deep into it. I think I really got into it when I was like 11. Okay. So this would have been like 14. So oh, I was definitely right. starting to like leave kind of Blanche and go into the city. Mm. And, you know, I still had all my friends from like the neighborhood Blanche, I grew yeah, up yeah. in, but I... I was definitely like, I'm like going into town, going to Baggett I mean, Street, people going to Central Bank. around the, the yeah, city. Like yeah, just yeah. hooking up. And, and it was amazing because it was crews from, you'd go into town skating and you'd meet like a bunch of lads from Belfast, lads from Limerick, mm. all these cork heads. And it was kind of like people from, like I know everyone's like, oh, it was such a diverse crew, but it really was yeah. like, for all me, walks. all of a sudden I was like every <clears throat> walk of life. And, and again, it was like skateboarding wasn't accepted or it wasn't, it, it wasn't it cool the way it is now. Like no. you were kind of just, Dodging getting like thumped in the head, yeah, getting given out to her. Yeah, you were a freak, you were yeah. an absolute freak. So, and, and, and like, I suppose, like, and I, I know that a lot of people that I was talked to, <clears throat> it's that kind of finding a community outside of like your housing estate is like, especially for artists, is like this major turning point completely. in their life where all of a sudden you meet somebody who's from a completely side of the city, a different side of a city, different socio-economic backgrounds and stuff like that. Like, is this the kind of bit where you're like, right, there's, there's, there's more to this world than sitting on a wall in, in, in Blanche completely drinking soda? No. And, and Which I, there's nothing wrong with, but, you did, know. I did, my, I did my fair share of that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, it was, it just opened up the world. And even just in reference to, like, Beastie Boys in general, I think as well, it was just the way that they kind of, you know, I just felt like I was, I could relate to them. Or like, yeah, they repped skate you know, culture like early. Early, early. And, and like before it was on, like I I, I was reading a, a bit um, a while ago on High Snobiety about like how there was a photo shoot. Um, I think it was with um, Friedman. Yeah. And, uh, like they, they had skateboards, but the conversation was like, that's just how they got there. Yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah. bring skateboards know, to too. show like they just exactly kind of just you're talking about. they just showed up on skateboards they were like yeah they're, they're cool get it in like yeah so i suppose did you like beastie boys from the, the skating element or was it just like a hip-hop element or yeah. did you maybe you know go what? i like hip hop. i actually think like the gateway or whatever for it was mtv at that time okay it was so a lot of i didn't know it at the time but Spike Jones was directing lots of their videos. Yeah. So there was like sabotage video, which I just was like, this is fucking amazing. I, I didn't really get it. I didn't know why, but I was like, yeah, it, but cool. it didn't look like anything else back yeah, then. Yeah. And then off the back of that, like the video that I think Spike Jones directed for Sure Shot, I was watching it and it just looked like a skate video, as in half it was shot with like what looked like fish v, v, and, VHS yeah. fish eye. Yeah. And it's them like playing basketball, jamming in a studio, skating a ramp running around yeah, but I just was like doofuses. yeah totally like yeah. and there's kind of like this goofiness to it that yeah. was like I was like fuck this is like not that it was just like me and my mates like we I wasn't fucking Mike D <laughs> running around Blanche as much but, as you wanted you know yeah. as much as in my Mick head Mick <laughs> yeah no something like that but um but I just found it like I don't know it was it just had such a huge impact on me 
And then the other big thing was it was the first time I ever went to um, a concert of my own was March, was t- March 10th, 95, RDS, Beastie Boys. You and told me about this. Yeah. And, and it was, was a stacked lineup, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like DJ Hurricane, John Spencer, Blues Explosion, someone else, um, and Beastie Boys. And, and again, it was like, that was like completely life-changing. That, yeah. that night alone. And it was me and maybe four of my friends that I grew up with. And Those first gigs are like, and the one where like, you're like, like I know you obviously have the Bob Dylan with your dad. And no, but like, this was my world. But that was the one where it was like, all right, see you later. Or you get the bus into town on your own. And it's like that excitement is yeah. crazy. Um, Just even about with this music, because I know you were, we touched on a bit with the skating and stuff. And you said like, you know, the, the video looking like a skate video. You know, Ireland for music and especially rap music was like, it's pretty, back then it was quite tough to find anything. You know, yeah. you had your MTV maybe. Um, but one thing my friends used to tell me a lot because uh, a couple of them were skaters. They'd come to me with like mad tunes and I'd be like, where did you hear this? And it was a skate video. Totally. Yeah. With, was uh, Did skate videos, like what what else did you like find through like skate videos? Because yeah. there's some people who have like, I, I think I first time I ever heard Scary Era was yeah. on a skate video. Yeah, yeah. I had no. heard of them, but I had never heard them until a skate video. Yeah, I mean, it was just such a huge part of that culture at that time. And, you know, music videos were like... Um, I'll pull this. Oh, yeah. Is that the alarm? alarm? Roda, you getting, Are you getting that? It's It's not too bad in here. It's, it's not too bad. Do you want to check? Do a quick listen. Yeah. I was going to say, I was like... Because we're quite close to the mic. It's still picking up. Yeah. yeah, is it? It's not even like a background chat. You see, it's slightly in the background, but we need the cup. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. No alarm. Oh, so oh, okay. You know what I mean? It. Bollocks. Um, Where's it coming from? One of the gaffs. Gaffs yeah. Do you want to give him five minutes? Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll wait, 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 because I like where this is going. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, grand, no, it's don't worry. no, I, I was like, uh, just we took a five minute break there. We probably haven't like probably. A, the worst pinnacle time because we're really getting into the meat of it but uh, a neighbour's alarm went off and uh, we don't have soundproof windows yet but we're, we're working on it uh, just before we move on to the next tune um, I think I was discussing about how um, my friends used to tell me about skate videos being like really really great sources of like underground music you would never find and i know you touched on that like with with the 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 beastie boys having that music video where it was like it looked like a skate video and like what kind of um because like i i I had never heard i had heard of scary era but i'd never heard scary era's music until one of my friends was like i think scary era is on the skate video and i watched the skate video like because they weren't skating i i wasn't as much I, i got it and i liked it but I was brutal at it, so you know what I mean? There's a bit of a disconnect where you're like, I'm really bad at this, I should probably pack it in. But the skate videos used to always have like amazing music in it. Like, yeah. and a window in, because sometimes these skaters would be fa- like friends or fans are like closer to these artists making crazy music. So they would have some gems on it. Like, what are stuff that you kind of get into from like skate videos? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it was, it was skate videos and it was also put like skate publications or, skate magazines like early trasher yeah trash used to have like a little kind of tunes yeah there was a sound section in that and then there was another mag that was called slap and that was kind of like slap was kind of like trasher's arty older brother do you know as in it was kind of like they would have it would be a bit more about the culture as opposed to just like here's the latest trick or the latest yeah yeah, whatever but 
in terms of skate videos, I remember my dad got me, dad had to go to New York or New Jersey for work and I, and he just couldn't really get product here. And I remember like I'd seen in Trasher, I was like, there's a shop called Dead End Skates in New right. Jersey. And I was like, just go there and just get me, Pick up get me anything. stuff. I was like, I don't care. Anything you could afford. So he yeah. brought me back, um, he got me a, like an alien workshop board, I think like a Spitfire hoodie. And then there was a video and it was this, it was this thing called 411. It was like 411 VM. So it was video magazine. Okay. And it was like issue number three. And again, in that, it was like, you know, from that one video, and these are only like half hour long VHS sure. tapes. That was the first time I ever heard like Souls of Mischief. Wow. Guru. Yeah. Maybe like um, Lords of the Underground. Like okay. I remember there was like the song TikTok, Lords of the Underground song. I know it. I was like this skater from Philly called Stevie Williams was this amazing. I just remember, and this was like literally like a fifteen second clip in the video. Yeah. But with those four one one videos, it was like an MTV in the bottom left hand corner. It would Have come up credits. saying like fresh jive, whatever the label was, and yeah. what the. And I'd pause stuff and be like, oh, what's and write that? it down. Yeah, or just even start in your head, just yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. I just want to know what that is. Wow. There's no, I've no access to that. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. just jump on Spotify and, and go to the back catalog. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, there was stuff like that. And then like the first time I would have heard like even stuff like the Misfits or like, you know, just even like kind of weird punk bands that you kind of like Fugazi or Minor Threat or like all these like basically just like this, the world of like a subculture. Yeah. That just like sits so well within skate culture. Yeah. And um, and then there was other things where like the early, like the first Zoo York video, which I never actually had. I just would have seen it like copies of copies through friends that mm. would have had like you know, like, like Wu-Tang, like there was all these like sessions from some recording session where they're filming like Ghostface and Method Man just freestyling. And wow. then that became the soundtrack to like the first zoo video. Yeah. So stuff like, so it was just part of that culture. And, and it was definitely like, I just loved it all. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't really give a fuck what it was. Yeah. I just was like, this is associated this with is this This is not thing. on mainstream radio. It's this Completely. is what the coolest guys are skating to. I need to yeah. check this. So, um, yeah, so that was the, the gateway. Okay, amazing. All right, so we're going to move on and we're going into uh, your third pick, uh, bringing it back to Ireland and Dublin. This is uh, Tin Lizzy with Running Back. Because I'd come running, I'd come running back to you again. Yes, I'd come running, I'd come running back to you again. So yeah, this was... Um, there was so many Tin Lizzy songs. Like I knew I had to have one Philos. Okay. Philos. I was like, Tin Lizzy have to be on this. Yeah. But there was so many tracks that could have made it. And, yeah. And it was actually like, I don't know. I had this CD that I'd got again. Like it was showing my age, but like it was before you could stream things or anything. Like I remember buying, it was like a best of, it was like, it was called Wild One. It was like a best of Tin Lizzy CD. And um, this track isn't even on it, but I remember getting that CD and I would just listen to it. It was kind of like a best of thing. So it had yeah. some of like the live and dangerous stuff, Jailbreak, Chinatown, like all the kind of hits. Yeah. But then I remember as I got older, being like years later, like living in, I went to college over in Wales and living in Newport and like studying photography. And I remember going to Cardiff skating and there was a record shop in this kind of like, it's almost like Georgia Street Arcade type place. And and I remember finding Jailbreak, 12-inch. Right. And there used to be these mad sessions in the, the gaff I lived in. So there'd be like some lad playing like drum and bass or like yeah. just and kind of like whatever. And then I had like my, I think I had like my Tin Lizzy. I'd like Jailbreak and then I had 
my friend Gibbo had given me like a 12 inch of that um oh my god the World Cup 90 song the oh, what was it the Irish one yeah put like, him under pressure put him under pressure so I had <laughs> so there would be this point in the party Mate, I'm not gonna lie to you I will like I uh, off it. mic I will I uh, know I will give you whatever you desire if you can source me that 12 inch record it, that's never <laughs> it's worth the yeah. shot <laughs> and Andy Andy weirdly got I think he got it in some charity shop in London yeah but um anyway so Tin Lizzy Jailbreak is definitely that's my favorite Tin Lizzy album. I just associate it with so many like road trips with friends going like again like before there was like lots of skate parks in Ireland or let alone Europe. Yeah, we used to kind of have to go travel. Yeah, and we would go to like parts like it's kind of mad looking back, but we'd all save up, and it'd be like me, my friend Bruce, who's from Kerry, another friend from um, from London, whose name is French, and then just like. Loads of other, like basically like this weird mix of people from completely different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And we'd save up our money and go to like Oregon. Because right. in these little tiny, like, you know, rural towns in Oregon, they'd have these massive concrete skate parks in the middle of nowhere, like Hicksville. Just, just good to go. And we would just go there and just stay in like fucking weird, creepy motels. We'd be broke. <laughs> like, compl- and we just had the cheapest rental car. Yeah. And on one of these trips, the only CD we had was Jailbreak. So we just... 24 7 like it your was, dad would be just like yeah just like jailbreak was just on repeat him. and um because it was gonna ask like because like tin lizzy is like i guess one of those bands that you know most people especially Irish people just grow up with in their house like yeah. you said so uh, it's it's interesting that where most people might find this well people of a certain age would be like oh this is just like me dad had it or whoever whoever this kind of was more your later in your life it's, it almost feels like this irish music came to you when you were not in Ireland. Yeah, no, completely. But it was also just, I think the other reason I wanted to put it into is like my, um, like my ma's from Walkinstown and she would have gone to school in Crumlin. Mm-hmm. So I'd heard stories from my mom of like, oh, I remember Phil in it. Like we used to see him around and she basically was like, we all fancied the arse off him. I've like, completely, you know, yeah, he, yeah, like, of course. Yeah, yeah, and he, And then there was something about that, that like seeing the impact that like a band like Tin Lizzy had. And even though like, you know, maybe people feel they never really like, you know, they did they really break America or like could they have been much bigger than they actually were? Yeah. In my head, I just was like, it somehow it was like the idea that he's from Crumlin. The young man and knew him. And not that she knew him, but like but that she same about yeah, same about yeah, yeah, and like yeah, of course. I found that really inspiring. Really, and, okay. And really, that kind of opened my mind to like, no, you can be from here, and you and the world's a much bigger place than just Dublin yeah, or than man. just you know the town you grew up in. Yeah, so, of course. So that was kind of it. And then in terms of the song itself, you know, it's like, you know, I, I probably would have been like 16, 17 when I first really kind of heard this or like heard all those early kind of Tin Lizzy tunes. Yeah. And, and it's that, you know, the first heartbreak you have, the first time you fall in love. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you can kind of look at the song and it's the like, soundtrack, yeah, yeah it's, it's really, in a way, it's just like really corny. Yeah. But like you feel it and it's real. Like, and it's, something about and them, I'm like, it's something about those chords in it. The, oh, that, the that organ. melody. It's yeah. like, <laughs> and it's that visceral thing of just like, oh man, I'm like it lands with you. Yeah, it hits. It yeah. hits hard, and it's like it's a slap. And I and I kind of really, um, you know, that's something. That's that kind of like brings me back to being just like an awkward teenager, and like you know, just like for the first time, be like, geez, I really fancy someone. Yeah, you know, but and not knowing how to navigate that, and then yeah. hearing this song. You're like, and you're it. and you're already like I'm like I'm into the heartbreak before anything's even happened. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's no, like, it's, like, it's I'm like, laughing because I know exactly <laughs> uh, what you mean. So, but like I mean to to bring it to Philo for a bit, I mean he's such a 
a behemoth really of, of Irish like the, we, we have a statue of him and there's still murals about and like you see his image everywhere I, I can imagine you would have loved to work with him in your in your portrait work is oh, completely is is there even like because it makes me think of like because people always ask oh, who would you work with and all that stuff or who would you work with if you could like is there any like other big Irish artists or people that maybe you've missed out on either they've passed or it just wouldn't be the thing that you like in your head you're like oh man I, f- I would just love to shoot that person yeah I mean fill in at 100% would mm. be one of those people there's there's definitely like there's kind of like it's mad there's definitely a list of people in your head where you're like I would really you know I'm so lucky in the job I do and in what I get to do that I get to meet so many interesting people mm. and even though these moments are fleeting like they're not it's not like I'm best mates with some lad who I met for 10 minutes to do a magazine cover with. But yeah. like, sometimes you kind of do click with people yeah, and you yeah, do yeah. end up becoming friends Pals, with them. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's kind of part, like that's how it's I impactful. met you. It's impactful. Yeah, of course. And, you know, that's how it's like, I love that side of it. So, you know, there's definitely people who I I haven't worked with that I would love to, like I would, for, I would love to photograph Sinead O'Connor. Right. You know, there's people that I'm like, I don't know, I just feel like they... They just have had such an impact on me. Then there's also that thing sometimes where I'm like, you know, I don't want to ruin it. Kinda. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. And I've and I'm I'm lucky. I've haven't had like, um, there's people where I literally in my head have been like, man, imagine like for instance, like one of the things is like, one of the first ever commissioned portraits I got was with Ghostface. Wow. And like in my head, I was 15 listening to like, you know, the second Wu. What is it? Wu Tang Forever. The yeah, second. The double. The double, yeah. I had like a double cassette of that, and I'd be in school with like headphone up the shirt in the sleeve, <laughs> in the sleeve, you know, hand, like, yes, man, just like sitting there, <laughs> zoned out, sitting through business studies, just going, I'm off in Wu Tang land, so yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in Staten Island right now, you know, I'm not yeah, in study <laughs> completely. So, um, and then in my head, being like, man, imagine, sh- like, imagine shooting the Wu or imagine doing that, and then, of course, like, yeah, I'm not saying that I like manifested it, but it's I've 100% had these experiences where. I have like gone off in mad like daydream fantasy land of like imagine shooting this person, imagine doing that, or imagine getting work published here, or doing this and blah blah blah, and like loads of that shit's happened. That's great. Like do you know, and yeah. and it's bit, for the most part it's been positive. That's great. But then there's sometimes where I'm like, if it's someone you're really kind of look up to, you're like, what if you do it and they're a dick? They're a prick. Or yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, you know, I mean, I mean, it's kind of sometimes the same as a musician. Like you're like you're supporting blah 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 and you're like no way unbelievable and I get to hang in the green room and rap with them and blah 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 and then they literally like they they treat you like you're you know a seat in the room or whatever like that and they're just like complete douchebags Uh, but I mean I mean I suppose that's life in general like you you can be like hey you know you're friends with my friend he's friends with you and then you meet them and you're like I actually can't stand you no I know so yeah it kind of works but I mean look I mean in both what we do we're very lucky to meet sometimes our heroes and most of the time the people who are big and last long are sound because that's why they're big and they've lasted long I really I do I believe that and I think especially with the way I don't know I would hope the way the world is now that in terms of like just on a real basic level like ego yeah you, i just don't think you can get away you can't you can't get away there's with so much more anymore. into it's like your life and that's good it's exposed and you i don't just mean in 
in terms of like people I photographed or yeah. people I've met. I, I mean, even in photographers. Yeah, people you like work people with. People I would have assist, worked as an assistant with and yeah. seeing how kind of like sometimes how toxic their ego was to be yeah. and just yeah. being like, you don't have to be, you don't need to be a dick to be successful. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Where Amen. That's it. Amen. I mean, Absolutely. Okay, but look, um, we're, we're getting some great stuff out of these ones. The next uh, tune you've picked um it this is mad i had never heard this before in my no life way. i was playing at a home and uh my girl t she was like i've heard this song and then i was like explaining i was like do you know the band and she was like no she was like but i've heard this record and i was like this is my okay so they, like i was like this must have been like a pop-off single or something like that but let's, let's just play a bit of it first this is handsome boy modeling school with the truth Okay, so, right, doing research for this song, this is actually really cool because uh, the, this, this album is like, I, I suppose like a, a satire of like up, upper middle class, snooty, posh people and just like all of them. <laughs> But it's made by Prince Paul from like Dead Saw, and then it, it's Dan the Automator who does like the gorilla stuff. But like everybody, because this is what I said to you, I have no idea about this project. But I looked at like everybody on this, and I was like, I'm fans of like everybody who worked on this. Totally. So to to kind of weave this is mad because we're obviously we're just talking about Irish music here. The actual vocals on this is Roisin Murphy, uh, and then I think Mike D from the Beastie Boys is on this. Uh, J, J, well, he's on the album he's on the album but yeah J, just, J Live raps on, J this, Live raps on yeah. this one yeah but Mike D is also on the album uh, I think it's like so here it goes I think the yeah, album yeah or uh, I think this, this album's called So How's Your Girl So How's Your Girl that's, that's, that's right yeah. So How's Your Girl and so there's there's a Beastie Boys element there's an Irish music element and funny enough uh, John Lennon's son Sean Lennon Oh, is on the album so yeah, we, I, yeah, no way. I swear to god I was like no way I was like this this is too meta I don't know if like Rich is like really really good oh, at doing shit. this because you've just weaved some great stuff like tell me about this because I have never heard anything about this is really like left that's, the field man that's mad in the circle <laughs> no, I did my like, homework yeah, mate, what you <laughs> no okay well look the, it's mad the way you talk about it because 100% this was bought on a whim mm. where I was I think I was in HMV and Blanche. I keep talking about HMV. I know you did. And Let me tell you something. Like, HMV and Blanche, bro. Yeah. I'd the like, Mecca. But I would just go there and I would just go through stuff and like go just to the hip hop section and just flick through stuff. And literally on the, I think I just, again, like, you know, photography, like the one of the big kind of like, you know, apart from like skate, like skate magazines and skate culture. Yeah. I was obsessed with album artwork and I would just, yeah. like, I just loved. And for me, it wasn't really records. And vinyl came later on, and I'm kind of obsessed with it now. But back then, I grew up in CDs and even just inlays and, and yeah, like all more, those layouts. There's more tangible photographic yeah stuff, and th- and it kind of worked as in that square, you know, of like the you could pick it up and it just worked really well. But I saw this in like it was in HMV in Blanche, and it was a sticker. First of all, the album cover, I don't know who, who shot it, but I was like... I was going to say, did you know? Because no, I've seen it. It's, a, it's an amazing shot. Yeah, I don't know who it is. Such a cool, like, it's just this strange scene. You're like, what the fuck's going yeah. on? But there was a sticker on it, and the sticker was like, produced by Prince Paul, featuring Mike D, 
Roisin Murphy, blah, blah, blah. And I just was like, oh, shit. Here we so, go. So, and like just bought it. Yeah. Didn't know anything about it. Yep. And then was like, this is, and, and honestly, on first listen, I was like, this is fucking weird. I yeah. don't know if I'll get this. Yeah. And I was kind of going through all the tracks and there's one song, forget, is it, um, is it Pooba? It's like The Projects is one tune. And then this song, The Truth, came on. And I don't think I even knew who Roisin Murphy was. Mm. But I remember just hearing her vocal and being like, oh my God, I'm in love with this girl. Like, as in, it was just, yeah. I was like, this That's is. That's what happens, isn't it? Yeah. But she I was has like, one of them voices. Completely. And then like, finding out she's from Arklow in Wicklow. <laughs> yeah. And being like, and again, this idea of like, this is, I just find it so amazing. Like, it's another person who, you know, wasn't exploded. defined by where they were and, and like, went to see the world. Everything with Maloko, but it was just also back to like, you know, that sample and it's like the original sample, it's called, it's a guy called Galt McDermott. It's a tune called Co Coffee Cold or Cold Coffee. I think it's Coffee Cold. And that's just that piano mm. at the start. And the way that works, like at that time as well, I, I'd started playing drums a lot and I was, and I had a kit at home and I think I was maybe like 16, 17 and I would come home from school and I don't know how my folks put up with it, but I would just come home from school. Shout out to the Gilligans, man. Yeah. I mean, no, like, like respect. <laughs> they are getting serious like, props off me, off, off I, the music. And I had, here. but I had this little, like, it was my ma's, like tiny little Philips CD player. And mm -hmm. I had these big fat Sony headphones. I plugged them in and I would put this song on and I would just like skip back, skip back. And I, tr and I learned how to play along with it. Okay. And I would just play this and listen to Roisin Murphy singing in my ear. Wow. And wait till J Live would come in with the rap at the end, yeah. and I was just in a, another world, wow. like completely transported. And you know, I don't know. It was like the only reason I even bought the thing was because it was like I was like Prince Paul. Okay, that's something to do with like native tongues or De La. Yeah. And Mike D. I know fucking Mike D. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah. It was like I just was like, but apart from that, I knew nothing about it. Yeah, and that's and, a, um, that's that's amazing. And and you know what? Like, there's from people I know who are producers, or I mean, even. Even me and um, uh, Mathman were, were record shopping there the other day and I think it was Rough Trade in, in London and he picked up something and I picked up something and we were both like, what's that? And we both went, I don't know, but I love the front of this. And if you look, listen to other producers, they will just like, flip over, look at the credits and go, I like him, I like her, I like them. And yeah. just bang it out. Or just sometimes that artwork totally it's just the, it's the seller no and it's that whole thing like never judge a book by a cover but like you kind of have you to can, well, lots of albums sometimes you, you can kind of you can judge an album by its cover true not that. always but like yeah i really um there's some weird um it's kind of like some magnetic thing you're just like yeah don't know why i'm drawn to this but i'm really drawn to it have um, you have you done any album covers yeah i've done i've been lucky to have done quite a few and, and again i remember like the first time i got something back and it was like I actually remember like seeing something in a shop for the first time, just being like, no "That's my fucking way." And yeah, I think it was it was like David Kitt's album, "The Night Saver." Is it in the car? No, that's a Spilly Walker. No, that was a different project. Okay, but this this started with that and then turned into something else. Okay, and um and it's and I remember like running through Dublin Airport, being on a flight to London, and like looking into whatever. I think there was a golden discs there. Yeah, and it, and it would just come out, but seeing it in the window or something, just being like, "No way." That's like, crazy. That was mad. And then seeing like, I'd done a shoot with Connor from Villagers when he first got signed to Domino and a friend in London seeing a thing in like, I don't know, King's Cross Station in the Tube. And it was like one of those billboards. On the jobs, wall. On the wall. Yeah, like, yeah. This picture that I wow. shot like in, my, in my studio in, in Dublin. And I, 
And I just being like, no fucking way. Like that was big. And, yeah. And in my head, I was kind of like, wow, that's this is really ta-. like I don't know. That was. I like, suppose like especially for like album artwork, it's not like so you know we we but sometimes portrait stuff or the photography stuff like they live in you know sometimes galleries or books or or like heavy magazines where like you go to find them yeah or like if you're interested that's where you go to find them but with with album artwork they're nearly sometimes cool ads because they are thrown and plastered everywhere so it's it's much more eye-catching or it it, is is there a different process to putting something else out or is it just like a cool shot and see what happens depend it totally depends sometimes if you're going through labels and Sometimes yeah. you'd be going through like a graphic designer or an art director right. and you're kind of like, you're given it. Sometimes it's very collaborative and then other times it's like, here's the edit and then maybe the it. end results, you're like, oh, you're not that happy. But yeah. ultimately, like you, usually I find when it's people, like lots of the people I'd work with, f- like specifically for album artwork or with kind of music related stuff, it tends to be people that we would kind of, they would know me or I would know them and. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of trust there. Yeah. And it's fair. I, and I love that stuff. You okay. Know, it's, and it's really like, like I remember, I, I think the, actually the first record I ever did was, was for Olin from All City. Shout he, out. He was, yeah, what a legend. And it was the same thing where he was like, I need a, I need something for a 12 inch. I actually can't even remember what it was, but I do remember him saying, oh yeah, the other, we're doing a double release and the other one is B plus, Brian Cross. Right. Shit. And I was just like, oh shit. Oh shit. All right. A game time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was, and it was just a picture of like, I think it was like one of those, oh, I was really random. It was like a, you know, like you'd see it outside like a, a deli in New York of like you put a quarter in and it's like a little horse that moves for the Oh game. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. you call him? Whatever it is. Like, yeah, it's just know, this yeah. weird like unicorn looking horse thing. Um, that and was I was it. like, this, this kind of sick. This could be good. Yeah. And then they just ran with it. It was like full bleed and amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so um, I'm gonna move on to the, this next one, right? So I'll, I'll just introduce it, um, and I'll talk to you about it a, a bit. But I think that this is possibly a very personal record because, well, I will just get into it. This is Amadou and Mariam with Mbife. Uh, so, one of my idols in music is a guy called Elijah from the, a, a grime label called Butters, and he's uh, he just puts up these yellow squares about you know uh, thoughts on music. He's a really really interesting thinker in music and how it works. And he recently put up a thing, and he said, "If you only listen to music in English, you're only dabbling in music." Nice. And I was like, "Totally," because. I have recently, well, the last couple of years, I've gotten really, really, really into salsa music, like classic 1970s, no Willie Colon, Hector Laveau, Dito Puente. Like, I just love it. Wow. I cannot speak a lick of Spanish, right? Uh, <laughs> but it's something about that music lands within me. And I know why I like this Spanish song or I don't like that Spanish song, but I can't, I, there's a, an unquantifiable feeling I get from this music. I may be jumping the gun here, Rich, but I don't think you speak what's the language Bambara? With the, they're, a from Mali. they're a couple from Mali, yeah. Yeah, so, I so guess they're from so Mali. So yeah, Africa. I probably should have led with that. They're from Mali. So please yeah. tell well, me about this, this song. Is, well, they're to give them a bit of background about them. They're um, 
they're a blind couple. They're both blind and they met in this like academy for the blinds in Mali. And then they started making music together. And I knew nothing about them. At yeah. Because so, what an inch, like what a origin. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Like I kind of read about them afterwards and I know Damon Alburn has done loads of work with them and they were part of like some, some other projects. But the way I discovered this was um, I met my wife, Patria, um, around 06 and we we met i remember it because we we got together the night of my dad's 60th birthday party so it was like november like november 2006 and okay. then I, I remember we we met at a party through other friends and it was kind of like this time in dublin where you know i was in my mid-20s dublin was still like it was kind of still celtic tiger madness but the crash hadn't come yet and it was but you could still have a studio for like 250 euro and you could live, you could kind of live for fuck all. Yeah. And there was kind of like pop-up stuff happening and yeah. there was clubs everywhere and like not everywhere, but there was, a you, lot you, more could, than you now. could be young and you could live here on fuck all. Right. And there was culture and yeah. there was energy and it was kind of like this really vibrant time of, mm. I think I'd, for, I'd gone out on my own photography wise and I bit the bullet and stopped assisting and was starting to get work, but I was fucking broke. And anyway, met Patria. And that Christmas, we were together maybe like four or five weeks. And then that Christmas, you know, we were like, shit was moving fast. Okay. And, and it was like. Okay, we're in. We're in. Yeah. yeah. And, and I remember just saying to her, like, look, let's not do presents. Um, let's make each other a mixtape. All right. So, you smooth motherfucker. I don't know. So <laughs> then, so back to this, having to do yeah. this. Like I put like a few nights into this, that mixtape, I think there was a solid two weeks, no work got done. Yeah, really. I mean like, like the work you've put in for me, I can't imagine if you, if no, you loves but me. This was, <laughs> but anyway, this, so I gave her my mine or whatever. And, yeah. and I then remember like I got the CD, put it into my, my laptop and then stuck it onto like my, I had like an iPod shuffle. Yeah. So you couldn't, you had to like go through shit till you got to the one okay. and then you turn it off shuffle and go yeah. up and down. But anyway, track, I think it was track, three or four on it was this and um and it just totally floored me and you know and so it's just it's something really personal it just really like it brings me back to that time where falling in love yeah completely and just how lucky i was to meet her and, and how she completely changed my life and how i was at this kind of point where like i was kind of lost Do you know i was in yeah. that like not that like things were fine but i was it definitely direction yeah and i kind of was i was i was definitely a bit lost and you know without getting too emotional about it this this track just every time i hear this song i'm brought back to that time and and it's so it's about patria and how you know just the love i have for her and and how kind of like not that this track brought us together but i remember like hearing this and just kind of soundtracks like, that that those totally, times yeah totally I and, and a in lot that way that, have that, that you, one like, tune yeah. yeah i mean it's not even that tune I, it's just like you know, music just brings you back in such a clear way. You're back in to that time with her, but it also brings me back to a very different Dublin. Of course. So it's kind of about like mourning that. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. well, okay. but also it's just you know this one is because in B phase, like I, I think it's like I love you. That's what the meaning of it is. Have you have you looked up the lyrics? I don't even know. I no, I don't know just... what it means. I don't really care what it means. But this song just speaks to me on so many levels, okay. and I don't have a fucking clue what it's about. Amazing. But Do you yeah. listen to a lot of other music, I suppose, like that isn't, you know, UK, Irish or, or, or American, really? Like it's, yeah, it's I don't. I'm not going to lie to you and pretend I do. I, I actually really don't. OK, I, mean, I listen to lots of I actually listen to loads of like soundscapes and 
I find like when I'm editing stuff now, I, I find it really hard to, I used to just listen to tunes yeah. all the time when I'd be editing. And now I actually, I listen to lots of like Brian Eno, really yeah, boring stuff yeah, that yeah. just calms me down. And, and uh, you know, I find like if I'm in a long edit, I don't really necessarily want to have, I find like I'll focus in on vocals too much or I, that, do you know that's kind of how I I've, I landed on on salsa. I was like, I want to listen to some music. Maybe I need to get some salsa. I'm again. telling you, just like pick yeah. pick some music that like you can't understand it, but it's a vibe. Because yeah. I was like, if I start listening to it, because I'm a lyricist, I'm like, if I start listening to lyrics, yeah, I'm just gonna totally to... focus on that. Where I sometimes hate just sitting in silence. So tunes with which I kind of like backed myself basically because I was like. <laughs> Oh, listen to just some tunes that won't really connect to me, and then like, no, I know, I'm totally just dancing around. No, <laughs> I get it. I get it. So yeah, um, like I mean, I suppose like you working with other voices, like you get to hear. I mean, you're probably more exposed to a lot more weird and left field music like this. Yeah. Is there other kind of like golden stuff that you've kind of found? You're like, wow, I like I never would have expected to be into this because the, on this this sticks out really on your list as yeah to Malawian blind people yeah i mean but that's the beauty of it is yeah. like you know it's so universal that like i don't know for me I, i'm way more and it, this isn't just with music i find it with like photography or like any art form i'm, I'm just drawn to things that where it's like a feeling yeah you know and i don't i'm not drawn to things that are like maybe technically perfect or that like you know, I don't know. It's it's nearly like if I if I hear something and it's it just like strikes a chord with you, yeah. And you get that kind of like, it's that kind Reaction. of impact. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, it, it, it's who the are point those of good two? art, isn't it? It is, and it's it's funny. Like I show my daughter. There's um, I forget the name of them. There's these two kids who do these like reaction videos on YouTube. Right. Do you know them? And there's one of them where they actually listen to like nothing compared um, nothing compares to you but Sinead O'Connor and I okay. think they're two kids from Atlanta right and it comes on and, and like they hear it for the first time but they just make this sound one of them's just like mmm <laughs> you're like yeah and I'm exactly. like yeah that's that's it we all thought that like, in 1990 yeah <laughs> so yeah but no. okay um, right we're gonna move on uh, halfway through uh, we're gonna go on to your sixth selection this is DJ Shadow with Midnight in a Perfect World Okay, so this is like one of my favorite records as well of all time. This, especially off this album, um, and I think you know you, you you've picked stuff that is you know we just talked about how you like the feeling of something because you know I mean there is vocals on this but I don't think the vocals are the point of this record. Introducing is such a seminal album and it's full of completely different sounds, but this one kind of feels this particular track feels almost different from the album yeah um so i'd love to know what why why this this record yeah well in a, in a similar way to like tin lizzy jailbreak I, I could have picked any track yeah off the album for sure but, but this is the one i'm always drawn back to yeah and um and i guess like this is on there for two reasons like the first of all it's obviously it's it's the album it's it's the way like it's the first time i ever really like thought about production in a way like just the way it I was like this is like going to see a film yeah every, every time I listen to it it's like I'm it can just bring you to this place and, and I associate it with so many different places in terms of like you know I remember like moving to London for a year and 
I would have this in my like mini disc player. Yeah. You know, I've had this like from cassette to mini disc yeah. to CD to vinyl. To <laughs> Shadow's got the papers up. Yeah. No, like it's it's yeah. been through every everywhere of yeah walked. every format. Yeah, like it's been. This album has come with me, and and it's kind of like I don't know. It's like lifted me up, and it's kind of like calmed me down at times. It, it's really like just ticks all the boxes man yeah. just if for me it's just a really personal it's it's unex, it's inexplicable and it's I've, hard it's hard to put into words i know yeah, it sounds like kind of, I'm, I'm kind of fumbling it. but it's also just um again the, the other thing that was huge about this i i actually discovered this album through going to see a documentary in the ifi um it's a film called dark days and it's a documentary by a, an english director called mark singer and i don't think he made another film but he, he made this film um, he was living in New York, working as like, like a seems like a fairly successful male model doing like Calvin Klein campaigns, wow. and he was like making all this big money in in kind of like fashion. Uh -huh. But he met some lad who was living in these abandoned Amtrak tunnels, which are like the, this is the underground, the stuff? underground stuff. The, this is so insane. this film. Yeah. He, so he ended up like um, he got to know like someone from like a lab where they developed all the the film for all these fashion shoots and. He asked someone like, I want to make a documentary film. What do I need? And they were like, you should use a 16 millimeter camera mm -hmm. and we'll give you a loan of it. And if you go to this guy downtown, he'll process your films at the end of this shoot. Okay. So, he, so he worked out that he could go down into these tunnels. And basically there was a whole community. Like like a town down it was there. like, yeah, it was mad. So basically there was people down there who were kind of living off grid. But I mean, they're basically homeless. Like it's not a pretty scene and they're living with rats and it's kind of like, you know, it's it's people who've definitely fallen off the wagon, but he's he kind of had this bond with them and they were hooked up to like the electricity from the, so they were down the there. Like, yeah, they're like hooked yeah. up to the tracks. If it's almost it's apocalyptic like, yeah, down there. Yeah, it's mad. And, they, and they're down there where it's people who've been down there for years and he made this film and there's this whole long-winded story where he had cut the score to um to Shadow. Like, or like he, I think it was a track off introducing that he had used for like he was trying to get funding and then he ma he managed to get like a meeting with shadow mm. and was like look i don't have any money but i have this film and mm -hmm. i want to show you this rough cut right and he played it to him and he managed to get this meeting with him and apparently like dj shadow was so blown away by it that he was like i'm really sorry you can't use the track because i'm going to do this from scratch no and way kinda, like this is amazing. Uh, yeah okay that's and, and i just remember insane. being like fuck that's amazing and then it was on in the IFI and I remember like going to see it and um, I was there with like some close friends and the film was just phenomenal. It's called Dark Days. It's yeah. actually all on, it's on YouTube now. You can just watch it. Yeah. So, yeah. And then you're, I don't know what happened, Mark Singer. He kind of disappeared. But anyway, Shadow was the soundtrack to this whole film. Incredible. And, um, and then the other big thing was um, when I got the album, you know, the artwork was shot by some lad from Limerick. Yeah, was, I was gonna. Was, I was gonna say this. Brian Cross is the yeah. The, the the cover here completely, and I, and I didn't know it was Brian Cross for years. For years, I, I think would that's see, a lot of Brian Cross's work where you you've seen it a million times and yeah. you find out it's Brian. It's the same with all that like Jurassic Five stuff, like all like old Fireside stuff. I think it was like I'd and he also would shoot stuff for Skate magazines, like portraits for clothing brands, and you'd see like photo B plus B plus, mm. and it always be like, wow, that's weird. Who's that's that? kind of who's B plus. That's weird. That's a weird yeah. name. And then I remember someone saying to me about the shadow thing. They were like, yeah, that guy went to NCAD. He's, 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 <laughs> like, he's from Limerick. Yeah. And he's like photographed Biggie and he's done all this stuff. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. So again, in that same way to like my ma seeing Phil Linnett walking through Crumlin, 
hearing Roisin Murphy sing to me while I'm playing the drums, knowing yeah. she's from Arklow, and then seeing that, like, this is this lad from Limerick. It's, oh, it's possibly one of the most iconic album oh, covers of all time. That image is incredible. And it's like, I've like, been in that record store. I know the smell of that record store. Completely. So, um, so I think that was, in terms of, like... Because I was going to say, was, was Brian this inspiration, but, like, if you just found him on the, on the random one, yeah, that's, I mean, that's incredible. No, he was completely... Obviously, then you go, you find, you're like, yeah. you not only find his work, you just realise you've looked at his work for years. Yeah, big time. Yeah. He's, he's so iconic. But, it's um, amazing. But yeah, but that definitely opened me up to like, you know, just a whole world of possibilities. A million percent. Okay. We are going to go number seven. Very, very Dublin, very Northside record right now. This, this song, I think, is the last time, I don't know if I did cry, but I was pretty much on the verge of crying the first time I heard this. During lockdown, very emotional time. Uh, this is beautiful. One of the most beautiful records I've heard in a very, very long time. This is Damien Dempsey with his cover of Pillow Queen's Donna Mead. Stay for a week with Sonny Donna Mead with me. Okay. So we spent some time down at Other Voices this year. Yeah. Having a few drinks, having a few yarns. And you were telling me about Damo dragging you up first thing in the morning to go jump in the sea in the middle of a freezing December morning to get rid of a hangover. What What's the relationship with Damon? Because a lot of people pick Damon Dempsey on this podcast. Yeah. I did, Maverick did, Nilo did. Like a lot of people pick Damon. Damon's been on the Bleeding podcast. I know, I listened so. to his one. And, and I listened to a few others and was like, Damo's on everyone I can't put it in and then, and then I was like I can't not put it in this yeah. is if this is 10 songs that like and it, the thing is I'm like it can't be just 10 songs that's changed my life I'm like it's 10 artists that mm. have changed my life whatever that is but you know Damien Dempsey just I don't know where do you start like so much has been said about him and mm. I feel like I don't want to just say the same shit everyone else says but of like you know it's like his voice, his tone, the cadence of how he puts words together. And again, back to that idea of things, there's nothing perfect about no. like, even like the way his delivery, like the rhythms kind of. He's his own soul. Of, yeah, completely. That's, and that's the beautiful thing about, I find about this record is that you get demos, incredible delivery and those bellowing moments that get the hair going, but you also get the beauty of, the Pillow Queens is like well, songwriting. Is, yeah. So it's kind of like you get your, your two for one. Like, Completely. So like you, you, you've, you've known Damo. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be pretending like I'm best mates with Damo, but I've, I've photographed him like probably, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight times over yeah. the years. And, and, I, and he's one of those people who I genuinely, I would, I get really intimidated when I meet him because he's, his music has meant so much to me in a really on a personal level of course as in he has gotten me through really dark times mm. in like it's something that i i would go back to and i remember like that time in in dingle like yeah. and he knows me as in he kind of always every time he sees me like he, i don't know if he even knows my name but we always would kind of like yeah i get the nod and yeah. then he just go how are you bud still yeah. snapping and <laughs> i don't I, and think I'll, he forgets a face and i'll just go yep and yeah. then he's and then he gives me the thumbs up good to go and i'm like i don't want to and I, I always have this thing where i was like you know, I would have, um, when we were living in New York, we would come back every summer and we'd go, we'd always go for a swim. And yeah. I had this thing where like, I would dive under the water and it was always this 
feeling to be back in Ireland. And like, you know, there was times when we were living in Brooklyn or when we were living in, in the city and where I would be really homesick and maybe like things weren't going to plan or we were just broke ass or, you know, really challenging times. Of course. And I, and I would go to Damien's music. Yeah. And it, it was like this healing. This in, homeness. Yeah, this, this exactly. There's that sense of home. But like, there's also that idea of like, you know, I would go in the, into the sea and I would like dive under the water and I would scream as loud as I could underwater. Almighty love, like the intro to that album no when he's just doing this. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. fast forward to being back in, in Dingle and they were all talking. Like, he was like, we're going swimming in the morning. And it wasn't, it wasn't Damo dragging me in. I was like, totally like, I'll be there. What oh, was it? I was like, nine o'clock, meet you at reception. No way. Yeah. And, I actually couldn't like, imagine something I am more likely to not do in my life no, and get up early it was, it was amazing. To see and, and it was kind of like this rebirth I know it sounds mad but like we just moved back well he goes in every day he I was, think yeah you know he's he's he's, a, he's an avid swimmer he's amazing and and it's also like you know Pillow Queens I just that album is, again it just means so much to me and yeah this is a total two for one and oh like, absolutely you know, I'm like no getting, I I'm seen like, this I was like oh you look like that's yeah, such a good choice I, I, you get, I really, like two boards one stone because yeah. like I'm, I'm the same I'm massive fans of you know uh, I'm a massive fan of Pillow Queens and Demo and their music both in similar ways but also in very different ways means a lot to me yeah um, and, and it's it's interesting too like I brought my daughter loves Pillow Queens yeah and I snuck her in to see them playing Kilkenny like two weeks ago oh, amazing and like she got to go into the green room and then they were just so cool to her yeah. and she was just buzzing and, and I had that flashback to being like going to a concert with my dad and being like wow this is that's, she, what, you, that's like, what your daughter's gonna say I don't know she's I hope, like, like my dad was, brought me into the green room with like Pillow Queens like that's an absolute she was, flex she was buzzing so yeah that that's was, um, incredible okay so I suppose we're like for our next record we're not even we're, we're keeping it very Dublin we're keeping it very north side yeah I, didn't I don't mean, even I don't, think I we're, didn't I mean to do this but it's, <laughs> no but I really like yeah. it because well, I don't even think we're moving out of a postcode <laughs> you know what I mean um, so this next one is for those I love uh, to have you the instrumental Yeah. So, um, so, so y- yeah. Do you want to? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you a bit about this, right? Because this record has just gone through everybody I know and has impacted people in so many ways. And I think people are taking very much what they need from this album. It's so incomparable to so much stuff. And, and through your choices, I can see you know, the shadow there. I can see the hip hop. I can see the Dubliness of everything. Like, I think everybody has their own, like what this means to them. And, you know, I know you, you said there, like, oh, I'm not going to retell what people feel about Damo, but what, what, like, cause this la- record obviously landed for a lot of people at a very hard time in a lot of people's lives. What was this record like for you to just get involved? Cause I know that there's there, also you've, you've, you've been there for, for those I love in, in different aspects throughout, you know, Dave's kind of rise, like you've been at certain moments. What, what's this record been like for you? Yeah, it's been, it's been a huge record Yeah, um, per, on a personal level. And it was a huge record to me before it even got released and mm. before I even really understood what it was. And that was from 
seeing the performance of, for those I love that David did at at other voices that December 2020. I was going to ask about so, this because yeah, there was nobody like you. You're going to other voices how many years now? Like, like a decade, like a decade of, yeah. of this, and it's always thousands of people, buzz and all that stuff. Yeah, and this is the first time no one was there. Yeah, it was weird. It was and surreal for the first time. I think this might have been the first time that people seen. I know there was like one or two songs on Jules Holland, but this is the first time people saw a For Those I Love performance. What, I, and I, I imagine nobody missed that performance uh, down in Dingle. What was that room like? What was that feeling like down there? Yeah, I mean, it was so strange. Um, I'd moved back from living in New York for six years, to, like a week before. Oh, wow. So my head was spinning as it was. And we yeah. moved back in full lockdown and gotten into like, we just went straight into quarantine and then as soon as I was out of quarantine, I kind of got in the car and drove to Dingle. So my head was spinning before I got there. And then yeah. when I got there, it was just ghost town. And, you know, usually there's just the buzz, like everything was closed. The church was, um, you know, obviously because of restrictions and safety, it was like minimal, minimal crew. As yeah. in, it was like four or five camera operators. Right. Um, you know, like the sound desk, Caroline, who... Like she designs the stage set down there, like Caroline yeah, yeah, Connor, legend, incredible legend, shout out Caroline. Yeah, no, big up. She's um amazing. So Caroline was working with Dave to get Everton right for the projection that he wanted to do, and and I remember just turning up and turning up to hear the rehearsal and seeing the proje the projections of all this artwork, and then Dave kind of like started to like do a sound check, and I just was like, and I'd heard bits of it, but I hadn't really like listened properly, and um. By the time it got to that performance that night when he came on and did it, um, by the end of the performance, like the entire room was weeping yeah. in, in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Um, and I know this sound, I don't want to sound like corny or like, but it was 100% like the most I've ever been moved by any form of art in my entire life. Wow. I was completely floored. Yeah. I couldn't speak. I just walked out of the church and just went and sat in the graveyard as you come out of the church yeah, yeah, yeah. on my own and just was like processing, processing it. And it was, uh, and, it, and it was, that wasn't just me. It was everyone else in the crew felt like we're like, we're in, like we're witnessing greatness now. Mm. And this is, this album hasn't even come out. So, so for me, I just was like, the reason I picked this track, like the album came out and, you know, it happened at a time where, you know, I could relate to this album. Um, everyone can relate to this. It's, it's universal what, yeah. what Dave's talking about. And, and I just think the bravery of like the power of putting out a body of work that's so like unbelievably vulnerable yeah. and raw. It's cracking your ribcage open and showing your heart. Completely. And, 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 then when, and then when this instrumental came, like I found the instrumental version and realized that like it, it, I can listen to this without the vocals and I still feel that this. Pain. I still feel this. Wow. Because I wanted to ask why the instrumental, um, but that's really a good point that he did release it as an instrumental project. No, to, but like so sonically or whatever way, I don't, I can't explain it. Unique. I can't understand like how it does this or it's how these things move you. Or, but yeah. like, so, um, you know, without going into too much detail, I, I, I recently lost a very close friend of mine, um, Bruce. Bruce Kelleher, who was like one of my oldest friends and amazing, amazing character. But um, this album, it's it's funny, like this, this album's really helped me kind of through that. Yeah, I was going to say. In terms of like processing pain and, and understanding pain. And I don't mean that like I just sit there and 
get all dark. It's mm. not. It's not that. It's. It's really. It's almost kind of euphoric. The realization of yeah. life and passing and and the nature of of completely being born and and, and passing away. I mean, no, it's, the, it's all just about the fragility of it all. Yeah, and and, and that's kind of why. Because um, Bruce, Bruce is, you know, I know, like you've you've mentioned him here, just on on a side, um, when you used to go traveling with him, like it's kind of nearly a parallel between, you know. With, with Paul and Dave's closeness of like losing someone that has been there through the rise and before things really kind of kicked off to you like I mean Bruce was the part I mean he was the skater in the, the slap magazine yeah. shot which yeah, was like, like the big no it was like the first photo I ever had published yeah and it was like um, and it's funny I, I like kind of photographed him in this really close and intimate way for like nearly two decades but like I, I mean he was just like such a key figure in my life and, mm. and such an amazing positive force so yeah. so, um, so, so listen to that album then but, but also in terms of music as well like, yeah you know like I'd never heard De La Soul I'd never heard Tribe like Bruce opened me up to like the Bruce roots the plug like all that stuff because he was a bit older than me okay so you know he was a good seven or eight years older so he was kind of he grew up in that like early 90s hip hop right, like, right, like you right. know prime yeah so he was like just feeding me all these little and, you know, even just like stuff like Jesus and the Mary Chain, The Cure, like all mm. these things that I kind of missed. Yeah. And just like the far side, like so much music. And I only kind of realized this in his passing, like not only like as this incredible friend who just basically taught me how to kind of handle myself in the world and how to treat people. He also just influenced me on so many levels mm. um, in a really quiet way. Yeah. Not forcing it. Just you. showing you the way nearly instead of like kind of demanding it over no, you. No, just or like... And yeah. I mean, like when you listen to, obviously you've listened to For Those I Love and you've listened to that that album, but then going back to it with maybe the freshness of losing a friend that is on that album, did, yeah. does it change the art for you a little bit? Um, did I, it Did it all of a sudden, like, because I know you said you felt it and it's emotive, like, I mean, th this album, especially for, you know, young men and probably young men from Dublin is like, this cut, like cuts people up sure. and, and really cuts away a lot of bullshit that we try and put in front of ourselves um did this again give you a new perspective of it then when you did like i mean like is this it's, i don't know what i'm trying to say but is this no, kind of the I, way I, the I, art I think what that you're was trying to, to help you when, when i i couldn't revisit it in the aftermath right too soon because it, it was too much it's too much yeah but now it's it's very cathartic and and it actually like because, you know, like you're in grief land and mm. you don't really know if you're coming or going and your head's up your arse and you're fine one minute and you're bollocks the next. Yeah. So it's just you're on that roller coaster of just being up and down. And, sure. you know, this this is the kind of thing where like when the, when the time's right or the mood's right, I can go to this and I'll be driving home and I can put on this track and start to finish like I might bawl my eyes out. Mm. But by the end of it, I, yeah. And it, especially and, and with and this know, track, with yeah. those horns and just that, oh, it's, it's like it's amazing. It's an amazing piece of work. I like, and also because I, you know, I you know you've came in and, and you've talked to us. I also want to talk about because this is like this is obviously other voices, like you said, probably your favorite performance of other voices. Then you're saying it's your favorite performance of all time, really. Yeah. Um, that you recently published your book uh, Collapsing Distance with other voices um, and just your portrait work and stuff like that like the, the shells flag is on the mic is on the cover I mean 
yeah it, like is has there been i know obviously this is that that major moment has there been other moments where you've just been like fucking hell especially other voices like because i can't imagine another festival being like like there's no festival that would be better to get portrait work because there's no backstage tent in and out yeah, tour manager that. it's like i'll meet them in a pub or in a hotel yeah. or some of the best scenery in ireland yeah, or yeah. a street and you can actually spend time with people oh like that kind of feels away from the tour yeah and the show completely and, like, and it's like people been, feel so safe in that I think when people get there, it's and I don't know if it's just in the air. It takes or, the ego away. Yeah, but the, that doesn't exist there. No. And because everything's so stripped back and all the layers of bullshit and agents and all that stuff that I get, like it, it that needs to be there. That's I'm not trying to say. Of it's course, bullshit, yeah. But, but it's nice to. But there are take the, it out there's sometimes. other moments where, like, for example, like remember, like, you know, seeing Mark Lanigan just play this amazing tune and walking outside the church and seeing him just go around the corner and just taking a picture of him just lighting a smoke yeah and just being like that's fucking this is like it's hard this is like a really iconic portrait that just yeah. and i shot like three frames that's it and it's gone and then like maybe i don't know you'd see like richard holly just kind of like lurking in the background somewhere or like lisa hannigan on the side like on some back road mm. about to do some performance being able yeah. to have access to these really like i guess it's like these intimate moments yeah where people they i feel like there's something about the energy down there it's very disarming it really is we're going to move on we're nearly we're nearly done we're going to hit number nine uh we've we've got some really deep records here we had you know some some deep shadow and then we've had you know demo singing his heart out and we've had uh for those i love but we're gonna keep it irish on all through the way out uh and this one is completely left the field this one is jinx lennon and paula flynn forgive the cunts you must forgive the cunts. Yeah. When you walk in the assembly line, you do anything, anything to pass the time, look at the moods on people's faces, or even the dead look in their eyes. Okay, so Jinx Lennon is like the worst kept, the best, sorry, the best kept secret in Irish music. Yeah, agreed. Like, it's when you find them, you're like, whoa, what, what the fuck? And I feel like, because he's so polarizing to everything that's, whatever's in the mainstream, if you want to look the whoever's like if you think the mainstream is a motorway whoever's like the one car driving back that's jinx in whatever he's doing but because he's that i feel like most people get into him out of a recommendation from their friends someone's like have you heard of this fucking mad lunatic and you're like no and you hear it and it's almost like early daniel johnson where you're like you need to just like hear this guy and then you just get it um totally. how did you get into jinx then do you know i i actually I'd heard about him before I ever um, listened to him. Okay. And the reason I knew him was there's a, a friend of mine who's another photographer and he's a amazing um, videographer as well called Ross McDonnell. So Ross mm. is a photographer from Dublin. He just released that book, Joyrider. Joyrider, it's Incredible. amazing. Incredible. So Ross is a really old friend and Ross shot the cover of this album, which I think is called Know Your Station, Gouge Your Nation. <laughs> And it's this picture it's of just Jinx, non-stop like, with Jinx on the, on and the he's motorway. On like the, it's like the, I think it's like a motorway up near Dundalk and he's lying on the side. Black, amazing black and white yeah. portrait. And, and the overpass, and I, yeah. Yeah. And I remember Jinx, or, um, Ross being like, man, this guy's fucking amazing. You've got to check him out. And, and then the, the album artwork was designed by my friend um, Colin Farmer and, and Noel from On Think. They're a re- really amazing design studio in Dublin. And again, I, I was doing work with On Think and I remember them being like, oh, check this out. Ross gave us these pictures. Yeah. We've just done this artwork for this guy, Jinx Lennon. 
and they were like, you should check it out. And yeah. I kind of, do you know that thing where sometimes I'm a bit of a dick where if loads of people are going, oh, check this out. You, you run a mile. I'm like, fuck off. Don't tell yeah, me. I know I'm the I, same. I know what I like. I'll just go, <laughs> and I'll find it. Like, it's so stupid. So yeah. there was kind of, so a year or two later, I don't know. I, th- I think it was like the first time I got Spotify. Somehow I, it popped into my head and I, and then I went down the rabbit hole yeah. and I was just like, oh man, this is so deceptively simple, like raw truth. Like who can't relate to a tune like this? It's just like, positive, like you know, good horn section. Just forgive the cons, be better with your life. No, like, completely. And who can't relate to it no matter what you're doing? Like, Of course, yeah. You know, it's universal. Yeah, it's, and I just love, um, I just love his delivery. I love, I just, this. I've never met him. He's one of the ones I'm like, Maybe I just should never meet this person. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I just and I've, and I've listened to him. Bones, yeah. yeah, I've just listened to him so much. Um so yeah, I don't know. I just love how accessible it is. It's um, you know, you must forgive the cunts. There's your mantra for life. Yeah. Do you know if you if you can do that, if you can. you know you're gonna be a happier person. You know, I, I really feel he's just condensed, you know, messages of the Bible down to one chorus of just forgive the cunts. That's it. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Jinx Lennon Yeah just fucking keep going That's, no, 100%. that's it Okay We're coming up Final tune um, So I always know that like The last song And the first song and the last song Are usually like Big ones Because people kind of view it as a set of Like what's my opener And what's my closer And especially when we interview artists or, You know Or people who are like musicians Who've made albums or mixes Or They know that, that The beginning and the end the middle is uh, great but the beginning and the end is a really telltale about how you put something together this record is amazing um so this track is called thank you for hearing me by Sinead O'Connor okay so this is like a really good ender of 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 a of a song. It's a beautiful record. I know you mentioned Sinead at the top of the podcast, and Eric, the other host of this, likes to always ask, you know, when you pick these giant artists with such an amazing body of work, why this one specific record? Yeah, there could have been so many Sinead O'Connor tunes mm-hmm. and. And it, it's funny, like I, she had a huge impact on me, like, I guess when I was about nine or 10, when, when Nothing Compares to You came out. Yeah. Like I remember even, I just, I actually really remember the video so clearly and just kind of being like having some mad crush on her. Do you know, yeah, just yeah, being yeah. like, who is this incredible, like this voice and this, everything about it. And that in the video when she's st- like, when she kind of cries or that tear comes down. Yeah, and just being like, this is so, you know, it's not holding anything back here, mm. and it and it just kind of like, I don't know, I was like, so fascinated by her, right, and you know, she kind of blew up, and then I remember it was very much, you know, people in my family or everyone was kind of like, you know, kind of when she, you know, she's had so many of these moments, like you're, I remember like when she tore up the picture of the Pope and. Like everyone was kind of like, how how dare she do that? And, yeah, you know, and everyone kind of basically like people just you know putting her on the shelf. Yeah, and just how kind of resilient. Why she don't is. you want to be a pop star? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I just kind of love like she's probably possibly she, the most unique artist 
yeah, musically true, a true, from Ireland. A true artist. A true artist. Like, is willing to throw everything away for the right message to come out. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm, truth be told, I really, I only really kind of rediscovered a lot of Sinead's music in the last, like, five or six years. Um, I kind of, I remember, I, this album in particular, Un- Universal Mother, um, that was, I just remember, like, finding it on a mix and then this track and I, I the reason I picked it as well it just feels like this really beautiful kind of come down song as well yeah like so this you know the main thing about it like when I when I first kind of rediscovered it we were living in upstate New York and I was doing these drives down to the city to do photography work and, and for the last three years we were there I, I was actually doing lots of driving on my own so I would be like you know, coming back late after a shoot. And, yeah. I, and I would always, I would have these albums I'd put on that it would kind of be like my come down from a really hectic day yeah. and, and really stressful situations. And and this album and particularly this track, this just became one of those tracks that was like, I just have such clear memories of like, I'd be in the car, I'd be like driving through the Bronx, going over like, I don't know, the George Washington Bridge, yeah. looking back at that, like, New York skyline yeah. with this on, like, wow. this pumping. Yeah. <laughs> and just having, and this feeling of, like, I don't know if it's just, like, that, like, you know, I definitely, you know, it's that feeling of, like, home. And her voice just felt like this, it was so kind of, like, comforting yeah. and so healing. Mm. And and again, it's, like, in that same way I, I was saying about, I don't want to go off on one, like, trying to explain or understand Demo and yeah. and why there's a lot of similarities with her and, and, and him in how people receive their art if they feel like it belongs to them no completely and it's it's so personal and, and part of me doesn't really want to understand it yeah I just want to feel it yeah man, you know and, and that's what this is and, and it's for me it's like it's just beautiful and like just even that statement you know thank you for hearing me like yeah as humans, like who who doesn't want to be heard? Yeah. If th- sometimes that's all you need. You Lyrically, want... this is this is it's, fantastic. It's it, it feels like something that you should say to fucking everybody. And completely. if you had the chance to tell people something, it would be lyrically this. Really, I mean, it's very much a uh, I don't know. I guess best bits then credit rolls kind of totally. kind of record. Is this like the is this the kind of the swan song or the final thing you want to be hearing before? Oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? I know it could be one of them. There's a few of them. It's um, but no, it's definitely this one's just really, really special to me. Yeah. And, and again, in that way where like I can't, I can't even really pinpoint why. Yeah. And I'm cool with that. That's great. Okay, that was really amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time with me, Rich. Uh, I really appreciate you. Do you have anything coming up that we should check out? Um, I don't know when this is coming out, but if if it is, I'm. I've made a new book that I'm self-publishing that will launch um, mid-May. Okay. So that's that's um, yeah, that's a new book of, of work that I made in a place called Newburgh, which is where I had my old studio in New York. Um, it's called All, All Kinds of Impossible Things. It's a, it's a self-published book about this town. Amazing. So, so we're launching that I think May 14th um, in Hens Teeth. Incredible, and then hopefully doing a launch over in in Brooklyn the next month. But but apart from that, I'm um, I'm just trying to get out skating as much as I can. <laughs> now that's that the we- it, man. The weather's getting good. Exactly, and, um, get the Beastie Boys tape out. That's it. It's, um, <laughs> that's the plan. So yeah, just looking forward to summer and um, 
yeah, just thanks for having me. This oh, is such Marvish. a pleasure. And Incredible chat. As I've said before, Mango, I just loved, loved chatting with you and, uh, I, and I really mean that. I'm not, you know. A hundred percent, bro. Respect. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, thank you. Okay, uh, nice one. I'll see you next time. Thank you.